The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Davo. How about those Royals? They're now 36-32, winners of seven in a row, and they'll begin by far the biggest series of the year on Monday night in Motown. Welcome to another edition of Clubhouse Conversation. It's Davo with your dish for Game 3 of the White Sox series, and of course, as we preview the Detroit series, we'll talk about that plenty. But let's go over this KC win first on Sunday, a 6-3 to victory, giving the Royals a sweep. And, of course, the best record in the month of June. The Royals are now 10-3 in the month of June, and so close to even being better than that when you think back to that Cardinals series and that one game that came back to tie the Wainwright game in the ninth. But let's not recap that. Anyways, they're 10-3. <laughs> That's the important thing in the month of June, playing great baseball right now. And this game was just as much fun as the rest of them because – the Royals again drew first blood, this time the top of the first, a two-run homer to straightaway center from Eric Hosmer. And didn't you just feel like the game was over when Hosmer hit that? It just it just felt so good. You just knew the Royals were going to keep things going. Getting that big hit, Omar Infante singles there in the top of the first. Eric Hosmer goes deep, making it 2 nothing. Casey would never look back. Of course, James Shields gave up his typical one run then in the first inning. But then Salvador Perez comes back. And poor Andre Rienzo. I actually felt kind of bad for the guy because he's probably going to get optioned after this game or at least most likely taken out of the rotation. But, I mean, I don't feel too bad for him, obviously. But probably should have had Alex Gordon struck out. That ball, according to Fox Tracks on TV, might have been, you know, two inches inside. But it was a tailing fastball against Alex Gordon that very easily could have been called to strike three. And the Royals wouldn't have scored anything there in the third. But you know what? Good teams... Make teams pay when they get extra breaks, and the Royals did that in a big way. Salvi, a no-doubt three-run shot in that third inning, and I thought Andre Rienzo was going to come completely unglued after that. Salvi, his seventh home run of the year. Eric Hosmer, his fourth. He's had three, what, in the last week or so? Eight days, I believe it is. So three in the last eight days for Eric Hosmer as he continues now to show some of that power that Royals fans and, of course, the front office and baseball people across the country alike were expecting. So good job by those two today and the Royals banged out only eight hits in this game actually as compared to Chicago's 12 but like we've talked about in the past this year on the other side of the token you know the Royals before were not hitting home runs the Royals had five of their six runs come directly off of home runs Chicago did not hit a home run today so while the Royals had a third less hits and you know less base runners overall obviously in a big way the White Sox had no home runs and for the series the Royals out homered the Sox four to one great job by Royals pitching in this series you can't talk about them enough their only home run was a meaningless home run given up yesterday to Paul Canerco by Michael Marriott in the ninth inning so a completely meaningless home run in a nine to one game the Royals held Jose Abreu completely in check and it's a pretty good day to hit today on the south side of Chicago the ball was blown out for the most part Although, you know, I wasn't actually in the stadium, so I hate to say that too much because it looked like it was swirling from time to time depending on when the pitch was thrown. But the, the bottom line is the Royals pitched a hell of a series. And James Shields, let's talk about him right now, right on cue. Now, I thought he had a very workmanlike Jeremy Guthrie-type effort when you compare it to Friday night when early on it was pretty clear Shields didn't have his A stuff just as we knew Guthrie didn't on Friday. But both are veterans, both pitched through some base runners, through some trouble, and were able to get the game into the middle to late innings. You know, Guthrie went seven, of course, and James Shields goes six today, giving up three runs, ten hits, one walk, only struck out three, but you know what? James Shields did the job. One of those runs was on a questionable balk call there in the first inning. I quite frankly thought it was definitely a balk. I mean, if you're the opposing team, if you were the Royals, you would have wanted that called. 
if you look at it from the other, which which to me tells me that it's probably a balk at the very least. It's in the gray area. I don't know. The the one problem I had with it was that Adam Eaton basically didn't even try to get in a rundown and just started whining, you know, before he was even tagged out. And they didn't call it a balk until after he was tagged out. So I thought that was a little ticky tack. The third base umpire wasn't the one who called it. It was home plate umpire Paul Immel. So I wasn't crazy about that, but. You know, as good as he Ned Yost get thrown out to protect his starting pitcher. Good for Ned there in the first inning, his third ejection of the season. I like seeing that. Uh, not, not too much to add about that. I, I think it was probably a good call. I know after the game, Shields and Yost still thought it was an iffy call, but who knows? The bottom line is luckily it didn't matter. As then Francisco Bueno, Kelvin Herrera, Wade Davis, and Greg Holland finished the final three innings. With a combined three innings, no runs, two hits, three walks, two Ks. None of them had their A stuff, it didn't look like. I mean, Herrera only threw to one batter. Second straight day, we've seen a one-pitch, one-batter appearance. Crow yesterday and Herrera today, so we didn't know too much about Herrera. But Voina looked okay. They were swinging at him so quick. I think he threw six pitches to four hitters. And then you had, um, excuse me, three hitters for, for Bueno. And then you had Wade Davis struggle a little bit after he got the first two outs there in the eighth. Holland struggled a little bit there in the final inning. But you know what? Who cares? Rell's got the job done once again in their bullpen. Wade Davis, 20 straight scoreless innings. Are you kidding me? It's just unreal right now how well things are going for the Royals' bullpen and for the Royals overall as they have seven in a row. One minor negative, Alcides Escobar saw his 12-game hitting streak snapped, which stinks. But two hits for Salvi and Dice and the two big flies, just a nice series. We said two out of three coming in. The Royals swept the series against the White Sox, and you just absolutely have to love that because the goal was four and three on this road trip coming in. And I think now it has to be five and two. You got to go in and split against Detroit. Now, let's move on to that right now because I think we're all so excited about that. We're all ready to talk about that. So let's talk in depth here about Detroit. First of all, yeah, I think the goal now needs to be a split in Detroit. It always has been a split for me. My goal was two out of three in Chicago and a split in Detroit. Now, if you just go in and win one, you still have a winning road trip. So that, that's still a successful road trip if they win one, but it'll feel like you backed into a successful road trip, you know? If you get a split, you go five and two on this trip, and you come home four games over five hundred, a game and a half out of first for a nine-game homestand. You got to feel pretty good about the Royals, or, or you know where they're at at that point, especially with ninety-plus games left in the season and all that. And the Royals at that point would be trending up, while Detroit would be trending down, obviously. So a split's what you want. Three out of four, if you lose it, you don't, you know, jump off a bridge or anything, but you aren't totally thrilled with that. But, you know, let's keep it in perspective. Four and three is still a winning road trip. Five and two is outstanding. Anything more than that, and I don't know what I'll do. Probably sing how happy I am. Maybe sing Pharrell Williams happy on the Thursday episode <laughs> of Clubhouse Conversation. But game by game, let's look at this. So tomorrow night we have Jason Vargas toeing the slab against Justin Verlander. But this is not your typical, your recent Justin Verlander by any stretch. He is 6-6 six and six with a 4-6-1 ERA. So he would have the highest ERA among Royals starting pitchers if he was on this team. Kind of hard to imagine that. Even last year, if you would have said that, that'd be hard to imagine. Two years ago, it'd be unheard of. 6-6, six and 4-6-1. Six, six, now here's the deal. In his last six starts, Verlander, and this is completely scary or completely good, depending on how you look at it, but his last six starts, he's allowed five runs or more, five of the six starts. Let's repeat that. Justin Verlander, his last six starts, he's allowed five runs or more, five of those six starts. So he is getting hit pretty pretty well right now. I think the start, the other one he, when he didn't was three runs, so that wasn't even exactly a shutdown game either. Now, I don't know if that is a good thing for the Royals or if it's a bad thing because Justin Verlander is due. I mean, I guess either he's losing it a little bit 
maybe going through a dead arm situation, or maybe his arm's just going to fall off one of these days, like I predicted a few years ago, and they'd throw him out there for 130 pitches in a 10 to nothing game, and you'd say, why the hell is Leland throwing him out there today? Because his arm's going to fall off eventually. Maybe that's in the process of happening right now. I don't know. It's going to be interesting tomorrow night. Jason Vargas has been throwing the ball very well, but if you remember last time he faced Detroit at home in KC on a Sunday, got lit up like a Christmas tree, and that's a rematch of that game because Verlander threw for the Tigers. That was the game where Verlander took a no-hitter into the was the six, wasn't it? I believe five and two thirds, wasn't it? Hitless innings against the Royals. Maybe it was six and two thirds. Either way. So it's a rematch of that Sunday afternoon game in KC when the Royals got completely shellacked. It'll be interesting to see what happens tomorrow. Something's got to give because you've got the Royals playing so well, swinging the bats well. They've won seven in a row. Same with Jason Vargas. And then on the other, other side, you've got the Tigers kind of in a slump, although they did take two out of three from the Twins. And you've got Justin Verlander getting lit up. So you feel like something's going to give tomorrow. Are the Royals due to not hit? Is Verlander due to pitch a good game? And is Vargas due to give up some hits? Or is it vice versa? Or is nothing due and I'm just overthinking everything because I'm a Royals fanatic? We'll see. I, to me, tomorrow is a coin flip. I mean, it's just it's so tough to bet against Justin Verlander. You don't know. He's not far enough removed from being good where you can say he's lost it. He's still... You know, obviously, recently close enough to that, which we saw in person in Kansas City back in May. He's obviously close enough to that where it's still a possibility. And who knows? Jason Vargas will have to prove that he can get the Tigers out, which we will see coming up tomorrow. Now, coming up on Tuesday, it's Giordano Ventura against Max Scherzer. Scherzer has just been solid like he has been in recent years. He's 8 and 2 with a 305, well on his way for competing for a Cy Young again here in 2014. 8-2 at the 305, although there's a pitcher on his team that's pitched even better that we'll talk about the pitches on Thursday, really. But Ventura and Scherzer. <sighs> Am I a homer if I call that a near coin flip? I, I, Ventura's been pitching so well. I don't, I don't know. But the Tigers have not seen Yordano Ventura this year either, which definitely does help things out, I think, for him. I, I feel like the way Ventura's throwing right now, he's throwing a heavy ball. He's hitting a spot. So, you know, since he came back from the injury... You know, let's look at it. He threw six innings against the Cardinals, gave up two runs, and threw seven innings against Cleveland, gave up one run. The strikeouts weren't there in those two games, but he was able to go six innings and seven innings. And the Tigers this year haven't seen him. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Yordano Ventura going up on Tuesday against Max Scherzer. I, I, I feel like it's a coin flip game, so... Let's just say that the teams are going to split those two games because I think I really think tomorrow is a true coin flip game, and I think Tuesday is a coin flip, slightly leaning Tigers. But between the two, I think the Royals get one of those. So let's say we're 1-1. One one. That's my prediction going into Wednesday. Then we see Jeremy Guthrie against lefty Drew Smiley. Now, this matchup scares me. Overall, Smiley, you might say, oh, 3-5, three 3-5-8. Three you know, Guthrie's got a 4 Oh, you know, three five eight's not that much better. I mean, it is half a run, so it actually is quite a bit better. But some people might say it's not that big of a difference. Well, let's look at the last 10 starts for Drew Smiley. In his last 10 starts, he's allowed three runs or less, nine. Nine of his last 10 starts, Drew Smiley has allowed three or less, and that includes five of those 10 when he gave up one or zero earned runs. Repeating, his last 10 starts, five of them, Drew Smiley has given up zero or one run and nine of the ten at three or less earned runs. So, again, is is there the due factor in there that he's due for a bad game? I, I love talking about things being due. Even when I play blackjack at the casino, oh, the dealer hasn't busted nine spins or, sorry, nine hands. I'm thinking of roulette now. The dealer hasn't busted in nine hands. She's going to bust right here. Probably not really due for anything, but I don't know. 
Wednesday, you got to give Detroit the edge, obviously. Just the way Smiley's been throwing. So let's let's just say Detroit wins that game. They're ahead 2-1, to one, which I don't like, because going into Thursday, then it's Duffy against Anibal Sanchez, who might be the best of all the Tigers pitchers this year in that rotation. He's 2-4-4 ERA at the moment, and 3-2 and two for Anibal Sanchez, and that game comes up on Thursday. Now, we, of course, know what Danny Duffy has been doing in recent games as well. He has been absolutely completely lights out. But Anibal Sanchez worries me. Worries me a lot. The Royals haven't seen him this year yet, but let's look back to last year. The Royals faced him September 6th. He went seven innings, allowed just one earned run against the Royals. Start before that was on August 15th of last year against the Royals, seven and a third innings. Gave up just one run that outing. Go back to July 19th of last year, six innings against the Royals. The Royals got just one earned run. Notice a trend here. The last three times Sanchez has faced the Royals going back to last year. He's gone at least six innings and given up one run in each start. God, I... slide edge Detroit again on Thursday. I don't like that. I don't like this. I mean, I'm trying to break these down in an honest fashion. And it, honest to God, you really have to think that on paper, Detroit's got the edge in three of these four games. Maybe you could argue two of the four with two coin flips. But the bottom line is the Royals need to find a way to win two of these games. They need to come out of this splitting the series. Or at worst, like I said, absolute worst, they have to win one of these games. You cannot get swept in this series, or you've just given back all the ground you gained in the last 12 to 14 days. You cannot get swept, period. The Royals are playing so well right now. They're pitching so well. Their defense is so good. Let's just go over this. I mean, the key to this series, there's two keys to me. The Royals need to get their running game going. I feel like they have not been running as much as they could against Alex Avila. I feel like they can run in this series, especially against Verlander. The Royals need to start running. And they need to play great defense and pitch. I'm not so worried about the offense because, I mean, the offense, we, we can't expect big things against the, these pitchers the Royals are facing. Of course, they're not getting Rick Porcello. Like, like always, they miss him, it seems like. But, I mean, you got Smiley, who's just on a roll. You've got Sanchez, who shut you down all three outings last year. you got Verlander, who's been struggling, but he's still Justin Verlander. And you've got Mr. Cy Young Scherzer. So, I mean, there's just no holes. I mean, the good thing is the Detroit bullpen is not very good. That's one thing the Royals have going. The Royals do have a, a strong edge in their bullpen. They have the edge defensively as well. But the Tigers get the offense and starting pitching. So to me, the Royals have to just be sharp on defense. We're talking like one error in this whole series. And they need to run. And find a way to scrape out, you know, three runs each day against a starting pitcher. Get them out by the seventh inning or so. Hope your guy can go six, seven innings, give up three, and make this a battle of the bullpens. The Royals are going to win this series by making it a battle of the bullpens. That's how they will beat Detroit. We will see. Like I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the Royals are going to split this series because I think the Royals are playing so well that even though, in my opinion, they're underdogs in three of these four games, albeit one of them a slide and a dog and one of them a split, you know, a 50-50 game, I think the Royals will for sure figure out a way to win two of these games. So that's my prediction. The Royals split the series. But if you said three out of four for Detroit, I would not argue with you. If you said three out of four for the Royals, I'd give you a high five, but I wouldn't agree with you. Let's get the split. Let's come home. Four over 500 for a nine-game homestand, a game and a half out of first. Right now, the Royals, of course, are in you know control their own destiny for that second wild card. I love how I'm saying control your own destiny on <laughs> June 15th. Like, it's not you know over half the season left. Let's end this for tonight. I'm just getting too excited right now. So we'll see what happens. Nice nice series in Chicago. You know, Great way to start the road trip as you wanted at least a four and three trip, which looks you know, very doable, obviously, at this point. You have to hope that 5-2 and two is what they end up at at this point. 
We'll be with you again tomorrow night here. Very interesting game. What will happen? What will give tomorrow in the Vargas versus Verlander matchup? We'll have it for you here on Clubhouse Conversation. Have a good night.